From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. We're talking about kids and money. Kids learn about math, science, and language in addition to many other subjects in school. However, very little emphasis is put on money management. Even if basic skills are taught, topics such as living a life that allows you to be generous, how to save, and spending less than you earn are rarely covered. So how do we teach the next generation, specifically our kids, to have a healthy perspective of money and how to use it? But before we get started, let's do what we do each week and ask an In Your Words question. I'd like to know, Elise and Kimberly, what was your first experience with making money? What was your first job? Elise? Well, my first job was really kind of very exciting. It was a babysitting job, actually not really babysitting, a mother helper's job next door to to where I lived. I was 10 years old and I made 50 cents an hour and... (laughs) excitingly, the person I was working for was, or it was the Benchley family, as in Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws. And he was off writing his book a lot of the time while his wife was home um, and had one baby and was pregnant with another. So I was there to kind of give her a break, let her take a nap and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, 10 years old, 50 cents an hour working for the Benchleys. Oh, wow. What about you, Kimberly? That is so fun. Um, The first job I had where I actually made cash was babysitting as well. And it was sort of a mother's helper type thing for my next door neighbor. Um, But my first job where I actually had to, you know, like pay taxes on the money um, Mm. was at a Hallmark store. So it was like a gift shop, card shop. And the best thing about it was they sold candy. So um, I could basically just take little pieces of candy from the candy trays all night long. And it was the best. I'm like, this is, this is one of the perks of this job. You know, I made like four twenty five an hour or something. Oh my gosh. But I started working. Yeah. I started working when I was 14, just as mm-hmm. my husband started at 14. So yes. when our kids hit 14, we were like, all right, let's start looking for jobs. That's oh great. My goodness. Yeah. I do remember doing some babysitting jobs, although they weren't a lot. Uh, And I can't remember if I started them before or after my first real job. But my first real job where I paid taxes was I worked at um, Wendy's. The fast food restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you eat those those chocolate smoothie thingies that they made? Oh, the frosties. Oh, yeah, yeah the frosties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. perks. Um, but yeah. my favorite were the French fries. So I ended up working there six years. Wow. So wow. through high school, so it's probably my junior senior year, and then my. F- Four years after that, and when I would come home in between my summers for college, I would work. Steady job. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I thought I'd legitimize myself a little bit and say that my first paying job with taxes, etc., was um, Valley Deli, and I was 14 as well. So I think I started a little bit later than you guys. I probably was more like 16. All right, so on to the subject we're talking about today. Um, I'd love to hear, let's see, Kimberly, why don't you talk to me about your relationship with money? What's your story behind why you do what you do with your money and with your kids? Okay, yeah. My um, my personal relationship with money is um, a little bit, I don't know how to describe it, actually. <laughs> I, let me put it this way. I'm not probably not your best role model. Um, my <laughs> husband and I do not live according to a very specific budget. We are a little bit freewheeling without, with things, mm-hmm. um, which has led to much tension over the years. However, we, um, we've been very intentional about not having debt 
Um, we don't really have credit cards other than an American Express card because um, we pay it off every month and we just use it to get points and things. And, um, you know, basically so we don't have to use our bank account to pay for stuff all the time because they keep getting hacked by places like Target. <laughs> Oh, so, gosh. <laughs> so for safety purposes, we have Amex. So for me to, to talk about how um, my relationship to money and how I teach my kids, it's a little bit um, a word. Haphazard? No. no, like I'm kind of a hypocrite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, I won't use that word. <laughs> anyway. Um, you can. <laughs> so I, I have not told my children to... Um, do the opposite of what I do, but they don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. So we have basically um, three main focuses for ourselves, for my between my husband and I and our bank accounts, and for our children. The first is that we tithe off of the top of what we make. Um, that's a given, never an option, always tithe, and that we have passed that um, value down to our children. The other is that we save. So we have a pretty healthy savings set aside, um, a certain number of months put aside so that if anything were to happen with my husband's job, we would have that money for safety and it would pay our mortgage and all of our basic bills for um, a certain number of months. And that tends to fluctuate. Could be three months, could be six months, just depends on what we have going on. Um, And the other is to not carry any debt apart from our mortgage and we actually do have a car payment as well. So, but just Mm -hmm. one, we paid off Mm -hmm. our car. So those are the things that we've tried to pass down to our kids, even though we haven't been really great in terms of budgeting ourselves. Um, I, we're still trying to teach them to live within their means and we have a pretty fully developed plan for how we do that with them. Elise, what about you? Uh, well, um, interestingly, Kimberly, um, you really do some, a lot of what you're doing is living by some of the principles I learned through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. So that's awesome um, because even though you don't have a budget, you have gui- good guidelines, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, our, my, what's my relationship with money? Um, I like money and I like to spend it. I'm sorry. Is that confession? <laughs> <laughs> me too, and, Elise. Me too. And, no shame yeah. here. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> That's, that's, I think that's okay. I think we're allowed to earn money and experience the benefits of that. But I definitely have some regrets. Um, neither my husband nor myself are uh, good at budgeting per se. Um, we're just sort of creative people who aren't really built that way. Um, not just excusing it. I'm just saying it's not like an automatic thing that we, we've done and we've been raised with and all that stuff. And so... Um, we have attempted several times to put in place things like Financial Peace University from Dave Ramsey, but also I can't, Larry Burkett's um, Financial Peace or plan, I, I don't remember the name of his, but we could probably put that in the show notes. And those were great uh, guidelines and, and really did instill the principle of tithing and living without credit. But I would say we did a pretty good job of that until a crisis hit. And, um, and we have had some big crisis that really affected our finances. And then we would really fall off track. Two years ago, we were in another crisis, but it wasn't caused by something really circumstantial. It was just, we were spending too much money and we didn't have enough money to pay our bills. And so the debt was, was, uh, you know, snowballing, which was very scary. And it happened very quickly. Um, 
primarily because my husband is a teacher and we weren't uh, counting on those three months where he wouldn't be getting a paycheck. We weren't spreading the money out over 12 months. We were using it over nine months, and that really tripped us up with our taxes. So we found ourselves, again, snowballing in, in the wake of that. And finally, both of us were like, okay, let's do something with somebody outside of ourselves. And we attended Financial Peace University a, a class with other couples or, or other people and couples. Um, and that was, it was really eye-opening. It was time and it was intentional time for us, and it was a team-building kind of activity, and we really um, straightened out our finances in a big way, really reducing debt, um, but one of, but still not quite, you know, we're better, so I'd say we're better than we used to be. We do try every month to look at our budget and um, determine what's happening and what shouldn't be happening and cut back, um, and as we move, we are kind of rededicating ourselves to that and really um we are downsizing purposely to cut back on our expenses and once we as as we do that we are putting together a new budget that we will be living by and again it's based on the principles of financial peace university how about you kimberly that's awesome um well my story with money goes back to when i was in college and even high school i was raised yes to tithe and to put money in savings and then spend what was left over. But I don't remember putting money in savings. I don't know mm. if that's just something that my parents never followed up on or what. But um, I don't remember having a savings account. When I began college, I did a work-study program. So I was making money at school. But like the money I was making at school was covered, barely covered my books and my expenses. And mm. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know. I just My parents paid for my tuition. And then I was on my own. And so by the time I graduated, even though I, I had various jobs and I made pretty good money, even during college bartending, more than the average person. So it's not like I was making, you know, $5 an hour. It just went, right? I, I foolishly bought a car my junior year uh, that I didn't have the money for. And by the time I graduated college, from just not having the money to meet my needs, plus spending things I wanted because I wanted them and because I could finance them, I was in a huge amount of debt coming out of college. And so my story really begins at the point where I just had no choice. I had moved down to Atlanta with a girlfriend of mine. I was sleeping on the floor because I didn't have enough money for a bed. I literally was sleeping on a blow-up raft with sheets on top of it. And the minute I got an extension on one of my credit cards, I bought myself a bed. I mean, my my early story is that I did. I lived on... A package of hot dogs and a package of ramen noodles so I could do a hot dog a day. And, then I, you know, anybody who asked me to dinner, I said yes. And really, you know, I know, right? Just got to the place where I was like, this this stinks. I need to um, really change what I'm doing. And I was in a church that was really teaching biblical financial principles. I had never stopped tithing, but they were teaching the importance of tithing and the saving and get, and being generous, um, mm-hmm. despite your circumstances, because God is your provider. And so I really embraced both the practical side of money management and the biblical side of it mm-hmm. in my early twenties. And so the years that I leading up to when I met my husband, I was really intentional about getting out of debt I love charts and graphs, and so I, like, created a binder, and every month I would see my debt go down, even if I was only paying $10 over, like, my minimum payments, and, you know, really just intentionally getting out of debt, and so, 
you know, I would say my story really has to do with experiencing what it's like to hit bottom. I mean, thankfully, mm-hmm. I wasn't married and there wasn't other people that were subject to my foolishness. It was just me, you know, on my own. And so I was at that point made it a point to start making good choices, to stick with those choices and then pass them down to my children. And luckily my husband was on the same page as me. Um, he didn't want to carry any debt, um, except for like a mortgage. But I mean, that's one of the things that we connected on was the fact that he thought this was fabulous that I was doing it, Mm -hmm. that I was so money conscious. And he really wanted to be married to someone who could, who had the ability to handle the finances and kind of like have him not have to worry about that. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, you make a, you make a good team. My husband <laughs> yes. and I are both spenders. So oh. well, we go, th- we go through phases and I do think we have slightly different money personalities. I feel like I'm probably more the saver and he's more the spender or I, I shouldn't even say that because I, it's easier for me to go without sometimes than it is for me to spend money. But a budget, like it, it gives you freedom when you know how much you can spend on something, you can make good choices without feeling like yes. you're, you know, being foolish. And I'll just kind of like go right into my story with, with kids and money is that I didn't want my kids to make the same mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, I feel like, yeah, I just want to set my kids up for, for greater things. And so, um, a few years back I did, well, I started a 31 days, the right, right. 31 days challenge. We've talked about that before in the, the website or the podcast and um, I actually didn't finish that 31-day series, but since it's something that I love, I'm still talking about it every now and then on my site. Mm-hmm. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get back to talking more about it, especially as my children get older, the things that I'm doing are changing. But I started to do some research uh, for that 31-day challenge, and here's what I came up with. It's just a little statistics for everybody. So according to Dave Ramsey's website, in 2007, 60% of teens knew how to balance a checkbook. And in 2011, only 43% knew how. Mm. And then it says 40% of 13 to 22 year olds expect to receive an inheritance, but only 16% are actually even going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, You're in for a shock. I know. Yeah. And then Gosh. 75% of teens say that learning more about money management, including budgeting, saving, and investing, is one of their top priorities. So there's an interest Amazing. in kids and yeah. teens to learn mm-hmm. how to manage money. Yeah. Sure. But for some reason, they're just, they're not. I mean, we're just, our, some schools have great programs, but most schools don't. So one of the things that I started to do with my kids was to give them money to spend. So we're talking very little. We're talking like starting at the age of four, I would give them a dollar and I would give it to them in dimes because I wanted to teach teach them the concept of the pie, right? So Mm -hmm. we would, I cut out these colorful pie pieces and we put a dime on each of the colors. So 80% of the pie was red and that was our spend. 10% of the pie was blue and that was save. And then 10% of the pie was like pink, whatever construction paper I had. And that was the tie that was giving. And so I, every week I sat down with the kids and I gave them a dollar and I put it out on this pie because I wanted them to have, I'm a visual person. So for Mm -hmm. me, it was a visual representation of see how much money you get to keep after you've given to God and after you've put money in the bank. And so we did this over and over when my kids were super little, obviously at four and even five, I really wasn't making them do chores. Um, but I was giving them the money because I was trying to teach them a concept. 
Of course, that changed. They now do plenty of chores. But at the time, it was more important for me that, for them to understand just the basic concepts. And then I followed that up with some intentional spending. So I would take the kids out to the dollar store once they've accumulated a certain amount of money. And I said, let's spend your money. And so we practiced just going through the motions at a very, very young age. And then I started to really explore the other aspects of spending wisely and having a healthy money perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is Good. amazing. That is yeah. a lot of work, but it's so worth it. I think you mm-hmm. it just pays off in you know, in such a huge way with your kids. I'm sure they're really confident with how they use and spend their money right now. Yeah. And so what was interesting, what I found was that as they got older, they had to do chores. Um, Mm -hmm. I started implementing like a sort of a commission system where they would pick jobs and they would do other jobs. Um, But really the bulk of the money that they, that I was using to teach them in the early days came from me giving them a dollar a week, but later on it came from the money they'd get for their birthday or their um, Christmas or any kind of holiday or from grandma. And so we would apply those principles to that money as well. And, um, but now they're, they're even older now. And so that's starting to change for us. And so I'm continually looking for ways to instill in them that this whole like give, save, spend money management aspect. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Brilliant. And I did do, um, an article on circles of faith, uh, about teaching kids about money. It's called four easy steps to get yourself started. Mm. And, you know, there are just some common things that you can teach your kids, just the differences between needs and wants. Cause I think kids, yeah. they take for granted mm-hmm. what they have and they assume that they need them. Um, I talked about how important it was to have like a family money mission statement. So like Kimberly, mm-hmm. you said that you kind of, you and your husband have these, these guidelines, right? So you mm-hmm. stick within yeah. those guidelines, like deciding yeah. what that is. And, and then, you know, having the kids practice. So you can find that on the website, but that's some of the things I did when they were real young. Those are excellent. Yeah, great. So Kimberly, I would love to hear about what you do with teenagers because we've talked about this before and I get really excited when I heard what you're doing with teenagers because I now have a teenager. And so I would love to hear about what people are doing that would help me. Yeah, well, for a long time, we were, as we are with our own (laughs) money at times, um, a little haphazard about teaching our kids how to spend and how to save and all of that stuff. And it was just sort of random. Um, We moved around a lot. We were dealing in foreign currency because we lived in another country. Like it just, we just basically paid for everything. Oh my gosh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Ah! (laughs) Yeah, and it just like when we lived in Switzerland, the prices were beyond Mm. anything we had ever seen. I mean, just buying a candy bar was what most kids would have, you know, it would be their pocket money for a week for like a candy bar. So um, it just didn't work for us in that time period. And prior to that, they were really, really young. And I just frankly didn't, I wasn't really that concerned about it. So um, it's been just sort of a little bit of a bumpy road along the way. So basically, we just paid for everything. I, I bought what they needed. Um, if they wanted to go out to eat or if they wanted a little treat, like I just bought it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I said no, sometimes I didn't. It was very random. Um, but once we moved back to the States and my oldest was going into high school and um, my middle child was going into middle school, we were like, my husband and I were like, we need to do something and, and really straighten this out for them because now we're, we're back in America 
we know, you know, basically what they need, what they want and what their expenses are going to be in terms of like fun, fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we did, um, we have family friends who had four children who were quite a bit older, uh, than my own. They were just sort of like the neck in the next phase, their kids had gone off to college and we basically stole their plan. I mean, they told us what they did with their kids. It was super successful. Um, their kids were very confident with money and good spent good savers and, um, had bought their own cars and all sorts of things. So we're like, you know what, this has worked for them. It's built on the same principles that we believe in and live according to. And, um, so we're just going to, we're going to crib it. So we did. And um, so what we do, what we started doing, um, we ended up doing it when my son, my middle child, my son, entered seventh grade. So in seventh grade is when we start instituting this. So now my youngest is going into um, sixth grade. So she has one more year before she gets into this sort of program that we have. And um, we looked at our finances, looked at how much we thought we were spending on the kids individually. Um, so we looked at clothing, at sports stuff, not so much like what you would pay for a sports program because those are wildly expensive. Children can't afford that. So it was basically just sort of their everyday needs and kind of what we were spending to for fun things. So if they wanted to go out to eat with a friend, if they wanted to go to a movie or, you know, those things where we weren't doing it as a family event, roughly how much were we spending? And we took that amount and we multiplied it by their year in school. So if they were in seventh grade, we multiplied a monthly amount of, let's just, this is totally random. I'll say $10 times seven and they would get $70 a month. And we set up, that is not the figure we used. I don't, I honestly don't remember the figure we used, but, um, it's neither here nor there. It's, you know, you use, you do it according to what your own family finances are. But, um, so at each year they get, you know, they get more money because their expenses are usually a little more expensive and they, we want to increase their responsibility with their finances. And we also told them, um, so we sat down, we opened them each a bank account and a savings account, and um, we told them we would put a certain amount into each account for them. So they didn't have to worry about transferring money into the savings. Like they, they could look at their accounts, they have an app on their phone, they can look it up and they can see what's in my savings right now and what's in my checking account and what can I spend and what do I need to save. Um, and then they were responsible for doing their tithe. And then we sat down with them and we went through a list of things that they were going to be responsible for paying for. So we said, you're responsible for paying for all of your clothing with the exception of big things like a winter jacket, like a ski jacket, because those are, can be a couple hundred dollars that would just wipe out their account. We, we felt like we needed to make sure they had some things ourselves. Um, so they were responsible for clothing. They were responsible for any, uh, any activities they wanted to do with friends. So anytime they go out to eat, anytime they go to a movie, anytime they get invited somewhere, anytime they go to a party, they have to buy the kid's gift. Um, so wow. all of these, yeah, it's just that we had a whole laundry list of stuff that they're now responsible for. And then we were very clear about what we would pay for. Mm-hmm. So we said we'd pay for things like a winter coat because 
they need one and they're pricey. Um, we pay for underwear because we want them to have underwear. I could actually <laughs> see my son not buying any because he thinks he can get away with it, you know. Um, <laughs> and we, we also, um, because sports are such a huge thing for kids, especially in middle school and high school, we said we would set them up with sort of a, a starter kit for whatever sport they chose to do. If they chose to upgrade their sports equipment, they had to pay for it themselves. But we would kind of start them off with the equipment they needed. Because yeah, again, these idea. are larger, these are larger purchases that too. it's a tricky one. And, and really, I mean, you can just decide for your family, you know, dependent on what your kids are into, what they're, you know, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't make them pay for tutoring if they need for tutoring, you know, it's not things like that, like that. It's, it's more of the everyday life stuff. And frankly, I got tired of doling out, you know, $15 every time they wanted to go to the movies. So now they have to manage it themselves. And yeah. it has been, I cannot even tell you how freeing it has been for them and for us because we never argue about money. They never argue with us about wanting things. I'm like, if you want something, you look at your money and decide if you can afford it. And they have become really, really conscious of where their money goes and how they're spending it. Um, like my son... <laughs> He, it, he refuses to pay full price for anything. So he looks for deals or he specifically will ask me, he'll say, mom, I need, you know, I need some new shorts. Can you start looking and seeing if you see any deals online and let me know. So he, he refuses to pay full price. Um, my daughter looks ahead in the school year. She'll look in August in her closet and say, well, I, you know, these are the four pieces I need to kind of fill out my wardrobe and she'll specifically look for those pieces. Whereas when I was buying her clothing, mm -hmm. it was a free for all. She would say, yeah. I need, yeah. I need, I need, I need. And really she didn't, it, as you said, Kimberly, it was a want. Mm -hmm. So now she, she's very specific about what she puts in her closet and how she spends her money. And if she's going out to eat, you know, does she just go for dessert because the meal is more expensive or, you know, so she's, um, She's been really great about it. They both have. Um, and one other big component to that, which, um, you know, it just depends on sort of your family situation, but we've told them that they, um, they need to buy themselves a car and that if they save $5,000, we will match up to that amount. We will double whatever they save so that they can buy a used car. So, um, my daughter has, she, she'll be driving in September and she has already has the money set aside. I mean, she really, she really saved and worked hard and put a lot of extra aside, not just what we were telling her to put in the savings account. She chose to, um, to put even more in there so that she could have that set aside for a car. Mm -hmm. But it's really nice for them to have a little bit of skin in the game. I have to say it's really, mm -hmm. really good. I know she'll take care of her car when she gets it um, because she put some money into it, you know. So um, that's that's what we've been doing, and it has been a so far a huge success. Um, I don't know how that will carry over when it's you know all their own money, but I'm hoping that those um, you know those values that we've set in place will will take root, and and they really know how to how money works, you know, like they get it. They're not confused about how this mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they have their own debit card, which is, is not everyone thinks a kid should have a debit card, but, um, 
we allowed them to have a debit card so that when they go to a shop, they can pay on their card and they can, you know, so they've actually had to be really conscious about when charges come through on their account, um, having to check and make sure it was the correct amount that was charged. Like they've had a few times where they've been charged incorrectly or charged Mm -hmm. twice for something. Like it's just so many different, um, scenarios that you can't really plan for, but when they happen, I'm like, Ooh, teachable moment, you know? Mm. So, um, they've learned all sorts of of really good lessons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why I started getting intentional about money with my kids too, is because I didn't have any guidelines for what I should buy my kids when they asked. And so you were Mm. saying like when you were shopping for clothes for them and willing to spend the money, it was a free for all. They Mm -hmm. weren't buying certain things they needed. They were just, she was just getting whatever she wanted, right? Whatever she wanted. Yeah. And so when my kids were very little, there was this whole idea of like, well, I can buy these things for her. So what is my reason for saying no? Mm, Like my oldest daughter, she'd want something. And I'd be like, oh yes, because it was, I was a first time mom and I had the money to get her this doll or whatever. And there was no, there was no parameters for me to even make choices. And so that's another reason why the whole idea of teaching them to spend and kind of setting some guidelines of what I will buy and what you're expected to buy was so helpful for me because it let me off the hook. I no longer had to make a, a, I no longer had to make a decision based on the situation. Right. And then when you start to have siblings, there's this whole like, well, you got that for her and she has Mm -hmm. that and I don't. And I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't even like, it's exhausting. The number of things they ask for and then trying to Make a decision. I mean, you can, a lot of the times you can buy these things, but trying to, I mean, it's so arbitrary. It's so much better to have a plan in place. It is. And, you know, I think our plan was really, again, my part is um, how not to raise your children financially. Um, (laughs) Because we, uh, in listening to how you worked this all out, Kimberly, I, I'm, I'm very um, impressed and would love to go back, but I can't. But um, I, I just, and, and also you, Kim, your, your intentionality, I think, is really key. And I love the, cha- you know, I so faced the challenge of what do we say yes to and what do we say no to. And I have to be honest, and I'm, I'm probably not alone in this, we were sort of like, if we had money, we spent it. And if we didn't have money, we didn't, you yeah. know? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so, for example, yeah. fact is when my daughter, my oldest, was, um, she, she, we had more money with, when, with my oldest. And so we did say yes to more things. And by the time we got to my youngest, four children later, uh, we said, had to say no to a lot of things. And, and I live in a, you know, affluent community, so there's plenty of pressure there. And, um, I don't know, in some ways, I think that was a good thing. That was its own teachable moment, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, because my children really do shop at Goodwill and <laughs> places like that all the time. Um, even more than I, even more than I'd like them to, <laughs> but, um, but I think because of the way we approach it, there's even some fear about spending money for my youngest, some real, you know, and it would mm-hmm. be much better to have had the guidelines that you guys both have had. And it wouldn't be so. Ours was random and, and based on circumstance. And I don't, definitely don't think that's a good way to approach it. And yet I do think people kind of do approach it that way or just say, well, we can't really afford it, but we're going to go into credit in order to do it because um, that's what people do. And that's one of the things that you really, you know, 
a main point of, of Financial Peace University, and I think other good uh, financial courses, is that um, it's not random. Um, or, again, guidelines. Kimberly, you've managed to do it without, uh, because both of you must be disciplined. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I just think the intentionality is key. And um, I do, I do want to say it is never too late to change. Um, and, and I, I want to really speak that to people who might be listening and might be more like me than you guys. Um, and, and, and that too will impact your children no matter how old they are. So, but, but kudos to both of you really. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. It is never too late to change. I mean, I still hold out hope that someday my husband and I will actually create a budget and stick to it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it it isn't too late to do that. And I think, That's a, that's a great point, especially like I look at my parents and they were in ministry for 30 something years. And when you're in ministry, that often doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for things like a retirement, mm-hmm. um, you know, savings right. for retirement. Right. Yeah. So they, um, after they finished, you know, after all of us kids left the house, they started really working hard to put aside a lot of money, not a lot, you know, ministry and all, but to put right. aside as much money as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, that became their focus to do that for mm-hmm. retirement. And, you know, they yeah. were, their kids were out of the house already, but like you said, it's never too late. And now yeah. they have a nice little, you know, a nice little nest egg set aside for when they are able to retire. And it, mm-hmm. it's given me peace knowing that they have worked towards that. And they, Absolutely. Um, you know, so that trickles down. I mean, it's really, it's well, really I mean, important. That's, that is such a good point. It, it's not really fair to put our children in a position to feel like they have to care for us financially. And so, um, again, that's something that we're working on right now. It's like, we don't want to burden them with that. That's, that's just, we're, we're, we're able to earn more money <laughs> or mm-hmm. to cut back, choose one mm-hmm. of them, um, in order to prepare for that. But that's, that's great. I, I like that. And Kimberly, what about your children? Have they experienced, um, social repercussions from having to manage their own money or, and, and have they, done well? Like does starting early help? Yeah, I think starting early helps because they, um, so far this is really all they've known. I mean, when we lived in Switzerland, it was just an entirely different experience and it it was not the same because it almost didn't feel like real life. You know, we were kind of living this alternate reality. So here back in the States, this is what they know. They know that they have to budget. They know that they can you know, they can do whatever they want, but they might have to go without the sweatshirt that they were going to buy if they want to eat out five times a week. Like my Mm -hmm. oldest, um, she started to get pretty serious about getting a job because she wanted to be able to join her friends to eat Mm -hmm. out. And, you know, they study at Panera and she wants to eat while she's there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if you, you know, if you want to do that, that frequently and still be clothed and, you know, pay for whatever else, um, then you need to get yourself a job. So our solution often, um, for better or for worse, has been make more money. You know, maybe spending less is, of course, probably the best option. But yeah, if she wants certain things, then we say, then find a way yeah, to make okay. more money. That's okay. You know, I mean, you can yeah. do one. You can do either of those things or both of yes. those things. Yes. Um, yes. Which is what we're trying to teach them. So this summer, we gently encouraged, or rather, insisted that. Um, both our, our two older, two older kids, 14 and almost 17, um, we insisted they get a job and they had to work this summer. 
Mm-hmm. And it was, it's a very, very low paying job. It is not glamorous. They both hate it. Um, <laughs> and I kind of revel in it every time I drop them off. I'm like, you know what? They are learning such valuable, yes. valuable lessons about the value of money. It's because us putting money in their account every month, you know, that's great and all. And they're learning things through that, but they also need to learn how to work. I mean, these kids need to learn how to work. And that has not been the experience of many of their friends. A lot of their friends don't, their parents don't require them to work. Um, which I think is a bit of a social repercussion as you were asking Kimberly, because, um, when you have to like, my daughter's watching her friends have a very f- carefree summer and she's got to go to work every other day, you know, mm-hmm. for six hours. So, um, it's been really, really good, really, really good for them. Have they kind of like developed a pride? And I say that in a very positive way over what they're doing. Like, do you think that they get like, I'm working hard and I'm like, That's proud a of the effort. Question. I think they're probably still at the point in their development where they're like, this is crap. I wish my parents would just pay for everything like everyone else's parents do. That is what I think they're feeling. Um, Although occasionally I will catch a little glimpse, you know, a little glimpse of something where they've, they say something that shows me they've matured in, in their thought process Mm -hmm. about making money. And, but I'll tell you what, having a really low paying job, like I, it pays less than minimum wage. Like it's, it's low, um, their, their summer job and, um, having a job that pays that little has really put lit a little bit of a fire in both of them that Mm -hmm. they don't want to have those kind of jobs forever. So, you know, they're going to be looking towards working hard in school so that they can go to a good college and working hard in college so that they can provide for themselves afterwards. And, you know, thinking like it really helps them think ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's amazing. I I really, um, I, I just think the value is, is beyond. On the topic of work, you know, I've been reading Smart Money, Smart Kids by Dave Ramsey and Rachel Cruz. The first portion of the book talks about the value of work and how we've kind of lost that, you know, mm-hmm. less and less do kids have to work when they're kids. It's yeah. kind of like we want to take care yeah. of them and do everything for them that wasn't done for us. So by the time they get into the real world, they have no strong work ethic. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. you know, my kids aren't old enough to get a job, but as soon as they were able to help out around the house, I was like, oh, no, no, you're going to you're gonna work. You're going to do something around the house. You have chores that you have to do because you're part of this family. You don't get to just let me clean up everything after dinner and go sit down on the couch and watch TV. But just instilling the value of work in our kids so that they understand, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat, whether that's right. in my house or whether that's outside <laughs> the house. And that's something that I think has been really important for our money journey, because like I said, it just sets them up for what the real world's going to be like. It's, it's been great. And I, and I, and we're at the point now where I'm, I need to up the ante. I need to figure out what else they can do around the house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Just changes the game. I think for, for, especially for kids who let's be honest, live in an entitled environment. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things, too, that strikes me, um, again, having, going back to when my husband and I first started dabbling in budgeting and finances and stuff. It was Larry Burkett, which is now Crown Ministries, and that information will be in the show notes. But um, I remember 
seeing that actually I never knew that God had much to say about money and handling money and work. And through Larry Burkett's uh, books and information, I learned a lot about that. Which, so, because I don't think we've talked much about that, but in fact, part of what drives both of you, I believe, is some of the biblical foundation that you mm-hmm. know um, is important, including the tithing, yeah. and maybe yeah. first and foremost the tithing. And so, yeah. I just want to—I just wanted to put that out there because, again, um, it isn't. It's it's something we're called to, as as yeah. well as it's it's really good for our, and why I guess why are we called to it? Because it really is good for all of us. Um, yeah. It's it a, it's a better way of of managing your life is managing your money as well, and and recognizing the value of it, and recognizing that you don't just get something for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not you know that is how you set up entitlement, and. Um, and I, I really appreciate, Kim, what you said about, um, you know, everybody's expected to get a cell phone and expected to get a big, you know, uh, usage. Um, unlimited uh, data allowance. plan, unlimited mm-hmm. texting, unlimited everything. And it reminds me also of what people have said to me over the years, because, again, our, our budgeting has not been uh, so obvious and so intentional. But we have said no to many things to our children. And one of them was, you know, clothing that costs a lot of money. Um, we just are not, um, designer conscious and, um, you know, people would say things to me like, well, of course you have to get your daughter, whatever this pair of jeans, or of course you have to get her this, you know, um, boots, a certain kind of boots. Yeah. <laughs> let's, just, let's just use Uggs. Um, I don't even like, like them. I think they're ugly. I know people well, love them. But. You know, and, and no, my children are not getting Uggs. The, the, um, one of my youngest daughter, got a pair for free. That's how she got her Uggs. Somebody said, hey, these don't fit me anymore. Do you want them? These don't fit me. Do you want them? So I think that that's really important too, that um, just because the world is doing it. And I think a lot of parents feel guilty about that. If I can't provide for my children what everybody else has, then there's something wrong with me and I should be embarrassed or ashamed um, because there is this idea that, um, you know, I want to be able to give my children everything. I hear, don't we hear people say that all the time? Sure. Yeah. And I would say the conversation we're having today is I don't want to be able to give my children everything. I want my children to learn about, um, finances and biblical principles of finances and, um, and responsibility. And even study after study shows, um, responsibility and pride are grown. And again, not, not the kind of pride that we, we, we try to avoid, but, but feeling like I can do this empowerment, I can earn money, I can take care of myself and I can even give it away and care Mm -hmm. for others with it. So I think that's really critical. Yeah. 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 I agree. I think the two core values that I really, really hope, um, to instill in my children, like overarching over, over everything, um, is that they would learn stewardship, which is absolutely a biblical principle. I mean, the Lord talks about that all the time Mm -hmm. and generosity. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you can't, I I just, there's, they're both so important. They, they need to learn how to be good stewards of what they have. And if they have been blessed with much, then they need to learn. Well, whether they have much or not, they need to learn to be generous people. Um, but the more that they receive or the more they have, they need to be generous in a, um, even more so, you know, Mm -hmm. 
those yeah. things need to be, need to go hand in hand. So I'm hoping that um, those are things that we can kind of hone in on a little bit now that my kids are getting the hang of how to do this. They, they're getting the kind of nuts and bolts of it. Um, mm-hmm. I want to to be more intentional about teaching them stewardship, like not just spending all your money on yourself or looking ahead to your future. And what does this mean for your future? And what should you be putting money aside for? And, you know, all of those things. So I think tithing falls under that, but, um, and also a generous spirit. I mean, Mm -hmm. that would would be a wonderful thing in today's day and age in this, Mm -hmm. you know, entitled world. Yes. Um, yeah. To be to to be able to say that you know I raised kids who were generous that would be huge for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've talked a lot about older kids because our kids are older now. But I just wanted to um, say that that on my website there are some resources and there's some articles about teaching younger kids like super simple steps because when I wrote it, my kids were young. And so I have um, even printables that you can download and you can show your kids how to save money, how to, what happens when you spend it, you should write down what you're spending and then see what you have left over, like enter, you know, enter that math component in so they can, you know, the precursor to balancing a checkbook. Mm -hmm. Um, we've also done things like, you know, what happens when you get a gift card, right? Because that seems like play money or magic money. So my kids, they log it, we take it and we like say, for example, Amazon or iTunes, how do you keep track if you're all using the same account, right? So we'll upload that money to our username. And then they get a little check registry. And in that we put the, you know, the, the amount of their gift card. And then when we order them something through our account, we minus it from that ledger so that they know, okay, I have this much money left on that card, because that starts to get tricky. For some reason, it's not like you have actual cash. It's not like it's going into a regular account. And so this way they can kind of manage that as well. So a lot of some, a lot of those ideas that I've worked out with my children to address our particular situation is available on our, on my website with, um, free downloads. And I have apps that I like to use to keep track of chores and to keep track of any additional money that they're, they're earning. So there's a lot of great resources and things that I did when the kids were little. So just in case you're listening and you say, well, my kids kind of aren't at that age yet where they can manage their own money, you'll find some useful stuff there. So as far as resources, I just wanted to let you guys know about Raising Financially Confident Kids by Mary Hunt. And really, that's just her experience with the same plan, Kimberly, that you put into place. Mm -hmm. And there's probably slight variations on it. But for our listeners that um, Mm -hmm. love your idea and want to put it into practice, they can find out more information and learn about Mary's experience in that book. And that'll be in the show notes as well. And and again, I would reiterate that it's never too late. Um, In fact, now's the day. (laughs) Why Mm -hmm. not? I absolutely believe that if you don't have those... uh, um, finance budgeting muscles, um, get involved in, in something like Financial Peace University or Crown um, Ministries, I think it's called, crownministries.org, um, because you probably need some help like we did. And we're not ending with that. We're continuing on and taking another course through Dave Ramsey because we need it. And for those of you who are younger, I would say, honestly, everybody can benefit by being intentionally intentional financially. And I just would say start now because you'll save yourself years of headaches and regrets 
and um, disappointments, and you'll be intentional and in control of your finances your whole lives. And that is a gift to give to one another and to give to your children. So that's my, those are my parting words. All right. Thanks lady for, for talking to us about this. Um, before we sign off, would you guys tell us where I can find you around the web? You can find me at, uh, my blog, Kimberly where I do not write about money in general. Um, so this is a great conversation. You can find me, um, on Facebook at Kim- Kimberly Coyle on Twitter at Kimberly A. Coyle. And I'm also on the Instagram, which is my favorite place to hang out as K.A. Coyle. It's EliseDailyParker.com, at EliseDailyParker on Twitter and Instagram, and Elise Daily Parker Editor, Writer, Coach on Facebook. You can find me at KimberlyAmici.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Kimberly Amici, and I'm on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Join us next week for another one. You can find everything we talked about in the show notes. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org to receive additional content, resources delivered right to your inbox. Did you know we have a Facebook community group for Slices of Life listeners? It's where you can let us know what was your first money-making experience like. You can find the link to that Facebook group in our show notes. Share our podcast with a friend, and if you have a moment, head over to iTunes to rate and review the show. Every comment helps others find us. If you're on Instagram and Twitter, you can follow us at Circles of Faith. 